What does beauty mean to you? Oh gosh, it's, you know, before I got into this industry, I didn't, you know, I never really appreciated beauty for what it actually is. And it's, I think it's a celebration of your imperfections and what makes you different. You know, when you're not in the industry, you see these perfect looking people. Hey everybody, this is Josh. And this is Shay. And welcome to the Creative Podcast. This week, we are bringing you a wonderful makeup artist named DT, who I met uh, on a few photo shoots uh, a few years ago. And I think that she really taught me a lot about um, the artistry of makeup. I think a lot of people, I think one of the most important people on set, and I've done multiple shoots over my career, uh, for video and photography. And I think that makeup artists are one of the key elements of having great shoes. Being able to take somebody from a daytime look to a nighttime look, or letting you have that freedom to have the avant-garde look or whatever look you're going for on set. Yeah, and makeup artists um, really transform um, people and things and sets and environments. So um, sometimes I think they might be underestimated as to their value and importance but they add to bringing everything to life especially you know people's faces and characters and you know makeup can go on and on to different levels basic you know uh, makeup to beauty to uh animation with uh no further ado uh this is dp Zedwani. did i say that right yep yep that's right and well, thank you for having me. And, you know, we always love being appreciated because we're usually like the bottom of the totem pole. So it's, it's always nice to know when we're appreciated. Yeah. I have to say, I, I have uh, makeup artists that I've worked with for many years. And yeah. I think about each shoot and think about the makeup artists and their talent. And my first person I pick on a photo shoot is always my makeup artist. Because I know that they can, no matter the model, they can transform them to whatever I need for a shoot. So yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize that when they are doing shoots or they're in the process of creating a project. It's always usually like some. I do sometimes feel like I'm an afterthought, like I'm like the last person to be hired. When really, without makeup or hair, you can't really transform the person. No. You only have a, a you, none of the shoots would ever be made without a makeup or hair person. Right, and exactly. I always try to give at least an hour makeup because I know that makeup, they're always like, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, you got five more minutes. When is that model going to be done? Right, exactly. Like they want a whole full on face, creative, avant garde look in like 10 minutes. And like, um, we're going to need a little bit more time. Like, at least 30 minutes would be, would be great. It's like a luxury to get an hour, honestly. Yeah. Because your time is really squeezed into, on a set, and Shay, you have a lot of experience on set as well. Yeah. You know that makeup artists, they're like, they're squeezed into a certain amount of time, and then the model's off. And yeah. then they're back on, and they get to change a look, and they get 15, 20 minutes, and they have to do so much in that small time, and then they're mm -hmm. off again. Right, so. right. And also, we're like the first point of contact for the talent so they're the first people they see is us and we create an atmosphere of like serenity and calmness for them and that's also i think looked over 
as far as hiring a makeup artist on set or giving the artist time and credit for what they do. That is true. That reminds me of what Crystalline said about how, as a photographer, she's also, what did you say, a psychologist? A or psychologist, therapist. yes. Yeah, because sometimes yeah. it's not just about the makeup, it's yeah. calming a person. Sometimes they come in a bad state and it's more than just doing their makeup. Right. And also when we're doing skincare, we give like little massages to help relax the person if they are feeling nervous or anxious about doing the shoot on whatever or their skin's not they're not having a good skin day and we're here to make them feel good about it because it's you know it's completely normal to have yeah. that issue but huh. you know it's funny you say that now some of my best conversations have been in the morning with the makeup artists yeah. and the models and just getting to know and it's just this like it is this nice moment where it's not photographer and trying to get this shot and trying to get this product shot and trying to get these people to work together and they're not working together. <laughs> and, right, right. You know, we want to send that person off feeling confident, feeling good and ready to do their job. And they always love running back to makeup. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Which I love. So, Deepti, how did you get started in makeup? So, I mean, I've always been into it. You know, my first kind of my first toy was a Barbie doll. So it was you know, lots of changing outfits, changing looks. And I was like weirdly frustrated with the fact that I couldn't change their face. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, but I want to, you know, change that lipstick to match their outfit or that sort of thing. And when I was in elementary school, I used to do plays and like school dances. And my mom used to put this bright like blush and lipstick and I used to love it. And I never wanted to take it off. And that led to like experimenting in high school with my hair and makeup. I used to get a lot of perms. I used to do a lot of those at home highlights. And it just, it started from there. But, um, you know, unfortunately I couldn't really, I couldn't really do or even think about makeup as like something I can do for a living. Cause you know, I'm Indian and I had to do something academic. So I was, I was a teacher for a really long time. Oh, and yeah. while I was doing that on the side, I used to like experiment on my friends to try to use as my creative outlet thing. And then when I was ready to finally like break out of that and start doing makeup professionally, I was like, you know, I'm going to just start go to makeup school. And that's really what started my journey into doing makeup professionally. But it's been a lifelong passion of mine. I love playing with color and I've always been an artist. I draw a lot too. So it's always been a thing of mine. I think like, you know, I mean, like I said earlier, I think it, um, makeup artists are amazing because your, your canvas is people's face. So, and I think people don't realize that skin tone, color, eye color, all these colors that play off a person's face it's an endless option of what you can do. And right, right. Um, I just, I think that it's a art form that is so underrepresented. And um, I wonder, now did you, so you went to cosmetic school or yeah, where did you go yeah. to school for? I mean, I could have, I could have easily, you know, we're in that digital age where you can just start an Instagram account or a YouTube channel and then call yourself a makeup artist. But I didn't, I didn't want to go that route because I was already following some of the veterans in the industry 
And I knew that for me personally, if I wanted to, you know, get the respect I wanted as a professional makeup artist, I had to get some sort of certification. So yeah. I went to makeup designery in New York. Oh, and wow. it's probably the best decision I ever made. Really? That's great to hear. I mean, but the thing is, is when you want to go to school, I mean, if you really love me, you'd want to have somebody that teaches you the pen in the field that can teach you the tricks of the trade, right? That's kind of why right. you go to a trade. Because I consider it more of a trade school, right? Yeah. So. <clears throat> that's exactly, that's exactly what they gave me. They gave me the know-how. They gave me the education I needed, especially for set etiquette. I don't think a lot of people, if they're self-taught artists, they don't, they, it, it takes a long time to learn that. But at this school, they do a whole course. They do like a whole, like three weeks of it. And really? you learn how to actually be on set and they grade you <laughs> on it. And they also give you a portfolio when you leave. So you already have three professionally done images. So you're ready to hit the ground running and you already know how to be on a set. Yeah. So, well, so for well. someone who was doing makeup, prior to going to makeup school, mm -hmm. <clears throat> like besides set makeup, what other things did you have like moments where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did this because I would have never figured this part out. Like, you know, cause you're doing makeup already. So I guess you kind of figured like, yeah, I know the basics, but you know, for some well, yeah. mixing, a lot of mixing of products to get your final result. Like, we learned a lot about color theory and that's not something I would have even thought about if I was just going to be like, I'm going to be an artist today, a makeup artist. And I, I think that was really beneficial. We get to learn to mix colors and create our own makeup products. Like you don't have to use, you know, you could use blush as eyeshadow and you could use foundation, mix a little bit of like a pink or purple red cream and create a blush with your foundation and it's just a lot of using old school art technique to do makeup which yeah. is not something i would have known if i didn't go to the school and mm -hmm. also they did like a three-week hair course too which really helped because a lot of time productions don't have the budget to hire a separate hairstylist <laughs> so we're makeup artists have to fill in those roles too but i think it kind of makes sense because mm -hmm. Depending on your hairstyle or your makeup, you want your hair to look a certain way. Like if it's up, then your makeup has to be a different way. And, right. you know, so it would make sense to have some kind of understanding of hair as well. Yeah, that's true. You need to understand. Also, you need to understand how hairstylists work and hairstylists need to know how makeup artists work so that when you work together, you're in sync and you're not mm -hmm. kind of battling for your talent. You can work, you're able to work together properly. I think that's wonderful that they taught you how to be on set because I wish I would have took a course in that before yeah. I ever went on set. Uh, there's, there is a specific etiquette that everybody, you all have your places on set mm -hmm. and everybody has to know where they belong, where they can right. jump in, where they can't jump in, where somebody else has to leave, like where the art director is, where the makeup is. And, you know, when there's something wrong, I'm stepping in <laughs> or, you know. Right. Yeah. And you need, you know, as and you don't want to like get in the way of someone when they're in the zone. Yes. And especially with photographers and they're shooting, like you don't want to just jump in and like bust yeah. with the model's hair and makeup. You need to know when to do that. Yeah. And that's interesting. I never thought about it, but I'm thinking of all the times I've been on set. Everybody knows their place. I just 
didn't think about it. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. like the makeup artist isn't like, oh, her hair's out of place. Let me just come in in the middle of like a moment. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. there's a place and a time for everything, yeah. and everyone just knows where to be. It's interesting. Yeah. So and um, so how important are tools for makeup artists? Because I mean, like I think about it, and I was thinking about questions for you, Titi, when we were um, when you were coming on the show, and Shane and I were coming up. How important are those brushes? I, you have to consider quality. That's the major part of choosing a tool. You want to make sure it can withstand constant wear and tear. You're, we're constantly washing them. I wash them after each client. You're sanitizing them. You're throwing them in your bag. They need to be able to live through all of that. Mm-hmm. And right now, we have brushes from all price points, which is really amazing, but you just want to make sure they're going to last through constant washing. And that's my, my only criteria for picking a brush. So okay. I have, and I have a lot of options from like real techniques, which is a drugstore brand. And then you go all the way up to my favorite prized possession, the Hakuhoto brush. Those are handmade Japanese brushes. <laughs> and I sometimes don't even take them on set because I'm afraid they'll be misplaced or, you know. But then how come some brushes, like, I don't know if this sounds really ignorant or not, but I've had brushes that feel soft, like when I use them, they feel, mm-hmm. and the others that feel like they prick my skin. Is that a quality thing or is it? It could be a quality thing. A it, it could be both. It could be the brand is maybe the prickly ones are the more natural hair bristles. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it doesn't really... I've had prickly brushes from like the more expensive ones brands and I've had really great soft bristles from the synthetic ones that you find at the drugstore. But you just have to try what you you have to just keep you have to experiment. That's pretty much it. See what you like and go, you know, go along that path. Now, okay. when you have like a, a model in front of you or a celebrity, what like do you look at their skin first? I mean, because I mean, everybody has different skin. Right? Yeah. How did? How do you? I mean, I guess my question is, how do you look at it and say, what, like, I wouldn't even know where to start on somebody's skin, but like, the bigger pores and stuff like that. And like, have you ever, like, I mean, do they teach you that in school as well too, or did how did you just learn that over your years? Like, because you have beautiful, flawless skin. You do learn that as you go. They do. They gave us some education, you know, but it wasn't in depth where you had to pay attention to what was happening with the person's skin. Um, but that's the most important. Like you mentioned, pores and uh, skin texture, blemishes, acne, um, and you have to use. You have to have a variety of products in your kit to be able to help with every any issue that a model might have. So most of the time, I don't prime the model's skin unless okay. they have an oily T-zone or they have texture on their skin or their pores are open. Um, but otherwise, it's just about keeping the skin hydrated and moisturized. Those are the most, that's the most important part. And, and this might sound stupid too, but how do you know if you have oily skin, dry skin? Like, I mean, I guess, you know, when you say oily T-zone, I don't even, the T-zone is just the forehead and down your nose, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Well, it's, you basically just have to look at it. And it's like the simplest answer. It's, you just <laughs> well, have please. to look at your skin and pay attention to what's happening. And I think a lot of people may overthink that and they also may not be paying attention. Yeah. So really, you just have to keep track of what's happening. You know, is your skin oily at a certain time of the month or a certain time of the year? Or does, do you have reactions when you get stressed out? You have to pay attention to these things to understand what's happening with your skin. And also, you know, always, you can always go to a dermatologist or an esthetician to help you figure that out. Yeah. Um, it took many years before companies really started thinking about um, makeup um, in terms of people of color. Mm -hmm. um, did you see the transition when they really started considering other skin tones, like darker skin tones? Because even still now, I mean, we have way more range than before. Yeah. But sometimes it doesn't quite, match you know i don't know how else to explain it um was it challenging for you like you know playing around with makeup or working with makeup during you know that period where it was not as much available in terms of different tones and use yeah i mean i remember a long period of my life where i was just walking around with too light foundation on my skin um, I was using those maybelline cream sticks that originally came out and there was no shade that properly matched my undertones and brown women black women have different tones on their face so that one color is not going to look great on all parts of your face so you just said something sorry to cut you off you just said something that was so significant the undertone because i would see the color and it seems like it could match but then yeah. i feel like I, it needed more red or a little more orange or so that's the undertone you're talking about right yeah yeah and you could always buy there are palettes where you have colors you have the red orange blues greens and you could mix it in but yeah. for a lot of people that's too much work and yeah. that's okay um but it's you know one foundation may not be your thing you may need to purchase a few different shades to get your perfect shade and you may also need to use more than one shade on your face. Nobody ever told me that. I always thought that one font, you're supposed to pick the foundation and that's it. I wish you were back in New York so you could <laughs> help me find my color. Cause I wish I was there too, yeah. Yeah, cause sometimes it's frustrating because another thing is like, I noticed in the winter, of course my skin gets lighter, right? Mm -hmm. So I have one foundation, but all of a sudden that same foundation is now too dark in the winter time. And mm -hmm. in the summer I get darker and now it's too light. I mean, that's a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for that, you would, you definitely need more than one shade. And I usually have like maybe three and I mix them throughout the year mostly. And for some of us, we have warmer tones in the center of our faces and then cooler tones on the periphery. Oh. So you want to, you know, you want to have more than one shade in your kit. Can you give us a little background on makeup history, if you don't mind, like where makeup originated from? Because I, I think that would be interesting to go back because like we think about makeup as just like, you know, starting off in, you know, the beginning of the 20th century, yeah. you know, lipstick and stuff like that. But it goes further back than that, right? Oh, yeah. You can go far to like the ancient Egyptians, tribal groups in Africa, pretty much around the world. And they would use natural ingredients from the earth, the soil. They used to make paste from minerals and rocks and clay. Um, we all use coal liners, you know, the ancient Egyptians used to, I forgot the name, I think it's called stibnite as the mineral they used to yeah. use to create coal. And it was, you know, first used to 
ward off the evil eye or to help with any eye diseases. Um, even as even in the Indian culture, the minute you're born, you're they put coal around your eyes. Um, really? And I remember I have baby pictures of mine with coal around my eyes or like a little black spot for the evil eye. So it's it it's not like art in the technical sense, the way we see it now yeah. with like eyeshadow and blush, but it was it was used in different ways back in the ancient times. And also Greek and Roman theater, you know, they yeah. had to transform characters. So they had to use makeup too yeah. in their own way where they used to use um, minerals also. And they used to use toxic, you know, lead and copper, oh <laughs> um, which, you know, we know in like the, European, like, uh, have you guys seen Bridgerton yet? Yes, I love Bridgerton. Gosh, I love Bridgerton. It's so good. a good show, and good. it's not all the way historically yeah. accurate, but there are some really great little tidbits in there. Um, so Daphne, her character, she has a lady's maid, and the lady's maid does her makeup for her. So in those days, your help, like your maids used to do the makeup for you they used to also make the makeup themselves and they have a scene in the show where they show that and i was yes. really excited made, to see that she made the blush for her right yeah, yeah 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 so i mean going to that history i know that jay and i both wanted to also ask you a question about hannah because you are yeah. from india so yeah. i mean what i know of india is there's india is a very dynamic country uh, you have the north, you have the south, the east and west. It's a huge country. So mm -hmm. you do have, and can you give us a little, uh, Shane, I both think that kind of beautiful. Uh, oh, yeah, you... I used to, uh, like I told you before, I used to see it on my best friend, um, Nisha. Mm -hmm. She had it on her hands like for weddings and stuff. And I would just be like, I want it so bad. But, you know, I couldn't say, hey, Nisha, can you just put it on me? Like for the, because I respect the culture. Yeah. So I think it would be interesting for, our listeners to also yeah. understand more about what henna is, um, why it's significant and its cultural meaning. And then, you know, if other people can also <laughs> enjoy henna <laughs> too. Well, you know, henna is, it's, it's a plant. It's like, there's a, a plant called the henna plant and they take the leaves and they mash it into a paste and you can mix it with water, lemon juice tea or coffee and they they also mix essential oils like tea tree oil and eucalyptus which is my favorite and whenever it's i love eucalyptus and henna it is so therapeutic and i and this like that scent stays on your skin for a long time and is it's just so beautiful and i love henna too i used to be obsessed with it when i was a kid and every time there was a wedding to go to or any ceremony we had to do, I was all over it. <laughs> like I would leave my henna on overnight and not touch it so it could be stained properly. Um, it, it's a lot of fun doing it. And we usually do henna during weddings. So it's mm -hmm. a very ceremonial thing and it's part of the wedding rituals for a bride. And when you, in India, when you see henna on a woman, it's usually, you know, she just got married. Okay. And in like back in the day henna was pre is, was considered an aphrodisiac because of the smell of it mm. it was also considered an antimicrobial probably because of the tea tree oil so it would kill bacteria and i think 
as far as it being like an aphrodisiac and a stress reliever because of the it's scent beautiful. and an antimicrobial. Those are all important things for a bride when she's getting married. <laughs> so, um, DT, is it only the bride who gets to do the henna? Because I thought it's also other people who get Oh, to yeah, yeah. The bride is the main focus, yes. but then the, the ladies' party or the, the bridesmaids, they all, the bridal party, they all get a little bit of henna as well. And also, the, husband, the groom will also get a little henna. They'll, he'll get, like, the bride's name or, like, a little heart or whatever. Um, so do they do different, is there a different style for the, um, br the bride versus the, like, is it set up in a certain way that the bride gets this type of henna pattern or design done? Yeah. Then, okay. Usually they're like the generic basic ones for the bridesmaids. I hate using basic, but, yeah, but yeah. you know, but for the bride, it's a lot more, it's a lot more intricate. When I got married, my henna took six hours. Um, for my hands all the way up to my elbow and my feet all the way up to my calf, um, which was too wow. fun. Yeah. <laughs> calves, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it was, it's a lot of work for the artist and yeah. it takes a lot of experience and years to get to that point where you can just come up with designs on the fly. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. Now, uh, I've been to two Indian weddings, um, mm -hmm. just and I've seen the henna done at both of them. But the one was just a one-day ceremony, but I went to another friend of mine, and it was a three- to four-day ceremony. Yeah. Like, it was four days of drinking and eating and celebrating and dancing. What, yeah. Is there a traditional timeline for a wedding? Sorry, we're getting on weddings, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is there a traditional wedding length? Or I don't know how to ask the question. Yeah, in India, they go on for like seven days. Seven um, days. But <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it can get pretty exhausting. But now in the modern age, we don't have a lot of time for things. So okay. we try to shorten things as much as possible. No one wants to be at the altar for like five hours. Um, <laughs> they want it really quick and easy, and they want to get to the fun part. They okay. want to get to the partying and the food. Um, so now we've kind of shortened it to like three days. Yeah. But has your background, your Indian background, influenced your art in any way um, in terms of makeup and how you do it? Um, well, I would say, you know, the boldness, the playfulness of all the colors that we use. You know, Bollywood, it's oh, a huge machine. Yeah. Um, but it's also like a catch-22 because you have this enormous thing that's Bollywood and you need creatives to create Bollywood, to create those movies, to create that art. But part of being part of the Indian culture, it's like you're not allowed to be part of it. You can look, but you cannot participate because it's not really, it's not always looked highly upon, depending on your family. Um, really? You know, like my mom used to always say, there's no business like show business. And it's, it's not in a good way. You know, they, it was always looked at very negatively. Like if you're a woman, you get into that business, it's going to be bad for you, bad for your honor, bad for your family. And so it, I was always like, yourself out there and you're doing all these things and acting yeah. these roles that might not necessarily look good for a woman to be doing right. certain things. So I, I, I kind of get it. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I mean, looking over your Instagram and stuff like that, I mean, I love the play on color that you do uh, with your work. And like, does it ever offend you when people think that makeup isn't an art form? 
Um, it's not sometimes, a fan, but sometimes. Like, no, it, I've heard that like, oh, you do makeup? Like, okay, is it's a hobby kind of thing, and yeah. I've I've gotten that that kind of reaction from family too when I wanted to do this professionally because they didn't really consider it something you could make a livelihood from so it wasn't considered a profession and that that in itself was a little insulting too because you know i know i know i love doing this and i know that i am good at it so i can make a living from it yeah Um, i mean i've worked on set with you what three or four times now mm -hmm. and i mean your work speaks for itself i mean when you guys get a chance please go to our instagram you can see these uh some of the men makeup that you did and you can see this tribal kind of look that you were playing with mm-hmm. and it looked amazing but I mean people don't understand that I think makeup is such a art form that is tactile and not thought of as an art form but to watch you do the makeup that I've seen you know it was very commercial where we were at but to see some of you you your work on Instagram that is going to stretch those boundaries of art like the copper painting on the guy that's yeah. beautiful where i mean that it's not sense. just a drip you're making that drip go down his face that way people don't you don't just throw some paint on somebody you know <laughs> it's it was placed there purposefully by a makeup artist so when you yeah. see somebody that looks like oh my god it's not even makeup yes it is and it's an art form it's more of an abstract art form than people think like yeah. the girl that has the rainbow dress on i love that picture um the see-through rainbow dress yeah. Oh, that was that was at the Met Gala. That was at the Met Gala. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was assisting Molly Stern, um, and I worked with the Met Gala for the first time, and it oh was so much fun. I am um, so it was so exciting. Um, That's an epitome yeah, the, of art and it, culture. It was, and, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh my god. So. How do you differentiate yourself, or is there a way to differentiate yourself? Because I mean, this is a com- competitive space. I mean, like most creative spaces, you know, it's it gets competitive. There are lots of people all trying to set themselves apart from the rest. How do you yeah. maintain that? How do you stay up to date with current things? Because I know that for more most for a lot of people, they started recognizing makeup as an art form when they started. I guess, I don't know if it's Kim Kardashian who started with that whole contouring thing. Maybe she just put it out there. Maybe it was she there before her. But like that whole contouring thing started giving people a different look at art because the contouring is the highlighting and that's what you do on a painting. That's what you do on a work of art. You, right. you know, through how you, I guess, highlight and stuff, you're making the nose look skinnier and the cheekbones lighter. Um, yeah. yeah, it's... It, you know, the way that they started doing it, it was really, it's meant for stage makeup, you know, like you don't, you need like the person in the back of the room to be able to see what's happening on your face. So you need to create those dark brown colors on your face. But really, I think where we're, as far as contouring goes, I think we're evolving into something more realistic and natural looking. And, you know, right now we're in the midst of this pandemic. We're not really wearing a lot of makeup. And so we're, we're going towards more the skincare approach and keeping things very natural. So now you don't have to draw these stripes on your skin. You can just kind of use, even your bronzer can be used to create dimension on your, you know, around your face. You don't need to use the traditional products that you would to contour your face with. That's yeah. fascinating because... 
I used to look at this contrary stuff and I was like, and it makes sense to me that you say that was used for like, you know, Broadway or whatever on plays mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Because I'm like, I used to look at the videos. I'm like, yeah, the, the product of it looks good, but who has time to stand in the mirror in the morning and do all these lines and put all these different colors and layer? Yeah. I'm like, who does that? So that makes sense to me that it's not supposed to be everyday wear. But, okay. but and you know, you made a good point where you you get you realize then that it really is an art because you need to know how to shade it to make it look natural and realistic right. how to kind of transition the contour to the highlight you need to be able to understand <laughs> that before you go about contouring your face it, exactly but also, even to the neck because yeah. there's some people who do all that contouring stuff and then they're like one color up to here but then the neck it's a like, different color. And then the hands. And then it's right, like, right. It's what's, completely what's ignored. Yeah. 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 But you know what was so funny about contouring? Um, you know, that a lot of that comes from drag queens. A lot of that. I mean, if you look at the makeup industry, but drag queens only go out at nighttime dressed up usually, and the mm-hmm. lights are literally a spotlight on. So the contouring right. is made for that light, right? For that spotlight being on you. So they're exactly. only looking at you a certain way most of the time. They're not going to go like this or that. So unless you want to keep your head straight at everybody. <laughs> right. And that, you know, that's another thing, too, because a lot of drag queens are trying to create shapes on their face that they do not have already. Yes. And most of us already have the shapes that we think we want to create for ourselves. We're just not paying attention to what we have going on. That is so deep. Like, I never even put that together. So you're, yeah. some people are overdoing it, and then it doesn't look natural or normal because you've, like, that's a very valid point. You know, you have, if you already have cheekbones, why create, try to create it with a makeup product? You know, just put some highlighter on your cheeks, then it'll pop. You don't need a contouring product if you already have cheekbones. Dipti, that's a vlog series right there. Because people have been so obsessed with contouring, mm-hmm. you can do an alternative to contouring, right? So instead of, if you want to achieve the thinner nose or whatever, like you said, get your bronzer and do this. Like, that could be a whole thing, because yeah. I would definitely watch that, because I'm not contouring. <laughs> I refuse to do that. It's too much work. Just yeah. some quick ways that I can highlight my cheekbones, you know, highlight my nose and fix the coloration here. Like, people, I think, don't want to, like you said, spend as much time on all that, like, on a daily basis. Um, they're looking to take care of their skin and simple, you know, glamorous looks yeah. um, are a thing as well. But I think that uh, this brings up a good point. Like, for makeup, I think why a lot of people degrade it is because it's something that's done every day. It's the same thing as, you know, uh, Shay and I both started off as graphic designers. When people live in design, they think they know design. So I'm sure they live in makeup 24-7, so they think they know makeup. But I think one of the best things about working with you, DP, and being on set with you is that you do have this beautiful sense of looking at somebody, enhancing the natural beauty in them. Because I only worked on commercial shoots with you, which um, you were doing the more natural look. And for the one that we did on the beat, I've never seen anybody do natural, beautiful skin like you did. And I'm saying that, that it looks like they're wearing no makeup, but DT put a lot of work into that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's, it does yeah, not have, the model did not walk in and sit in the chair and look like that. 
they got out of the chair looking like that. So fresh, so clean. It looked mm. like there was nothing on them. I don't you know, know how you, you do that, but you that made is a good magic. Point. We're bombarded by images all day on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, where makeup is everywhere. And I feel like we're kind of, it's kind of blurred the line between what's professional and what's not, because we can all go online and start doing our makeup and start talking at the camera. And people can mistaken that for that being professional makeup. And yeah. that's what's considered professional. Um, even like the contouring and whatever, people think that's what we do all day. And that's, a, that's completely not it. We're, we keep it very natural and realistic. And that takes a lot of experience yes. and time and effort. Like you have to work those years to understand yes. people's face shapes and skin tones to really get it right. And it's like, do you, like, so I know that you get hired a lot to make people look the best they can. Do you ever get those chances to really show off your creativity and your, do you ever get those, I mean, with the guy shoot here that I'm looking at and the mm -hmm. videos, like, I mean, I, I'm looking at your Instagram and the way that you've transformed yourself and even did the tutorials. I mean, you look like completely different people in all these pictures. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, and the way the that you can do a chameleon like that. But I guess my question is, do you get to express your art form like in an avant-garde way? Is there ways that, like, I love the one where you're painting the guy and it's half covered in black. I mean, I mm -hmm. just think there's, I think there's so many parts about makeup that are so fun, but you'd have to have the right shoot. Do you get to do that a lot in your industry or no? No, I mean, it's it's unfortunate because most of us love the avant-garde stuff. Yes. But the stuff that pays is the natural, more, you know, no makeup makeup look and the commercial stuff. Yeah. So I get to play a lot with makeup on test shoots and shoots that are, that don't pay, um, <laughs> which I love too, because it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of practice too. I get to practice and play with different colors and it's fun to break up the monotony sometimes yeah. of the no makeup makeup. Well, look. I have to say, like, I mean, like, as a painter, um, and my background is in paint and jewelry making as well, too. Um, I love, like, and this is the thing about makeup. You would never notice this, but in one of your shots, you do a little uh, on the, you know how you do the, the cat eye, but there's a little inner eyelid that you just did, yeah. like, a spot of gold. Nobody would notice that, but those are the little details that a makeup artist is. It's yeah. that little shimmer. It's that little extra glow or that little extra, like when a fish swims in water and you see that little reflection and it catches your yeah, eye, yeah. just a little bit or like a butterfly wing. Like those are the kind of moments that, I mean, that's what I look for. And, but then, you know, the next picture you have, you have lime green eyeshadow or <laughs> eyeliner is that eyeliner yeah. or eyeshadow yeah yeah it's eyeliner but it's so 80s and so yeah. awesome and i mean like i love that look on you Thank but you. that's what i'm saying makeup is considered um you know i consider it an art form because it transforms a person and maybe allows them to go into another realm that they wouldn't do themselves so it right, allows exactly. them to act a different way but i mean but it also gives people confidence and makes them feel good about themselves. Yeah. So I think makeup is not only a surface thing, mm -hmm. it's a spiritual thing. I know that some people might think it sounds crazy, but yeah. when 
like let's say you blemishes on your face or you don't feel good but you make up and you you wake up and you do your face you go out into the world feeling better about yourself it's there's a weird stigma to it where it's you know considered a superficial thing and you just it's like a you know you're vain and for vanity reasons but like you said it's for self-care and to if makeup helps you feel good during the day and if you're having a bad day and you're in a bad mood and putting on some you know hot pink lipstick makes you feel good then do it do what makes you happy and makes you feel good and look good and for a lot of people if you're self-conscious and putting on some makeup it helps you build some confidence and gives you that extra boost then that that's really important but it almost brings it back full circle like we were talking so from the history of makeup, if you go back, it was done to celebrate, to celebrate somebody, to symbolize yeah. something. So in today's fast-paced world, mm-hmm. if a little bit of makeup helps you hit that day harder, it's not right. every day, but it's a way to let yourself have some confidence that you need out that door to celebrate your life right. a little bit. Because makeup right. was always there to celebrate something special in life, right? That's From Egyptians cool. to whatever. So basically, that's what makeup is nowadays still. It hasn't changed that much. I love that. I love that. It's like traditionally, it's always been something celebratory. So why not just keep using it to celebrate your own self, like your own beauty and your own face? Have you, have you, oh, oh, sorry, Shay. I just have another question that leads. uh, Have you explored more of the body, painting on more of the body, like with makeup? I just wondered this. Like, I haven't had the opportunity professionally to do it. I mean, I would love it. I did that with the Met Gala where we painted stripes on yes. um, on Cara Delevingne's legs. Um, oh, that's makeup. Oh, yeah, I thought that yeah. was leggings. That's makeup. Oh, that, that would be, you know, we, we used oh, like oh a medical tape to create the, the yeah, lines yeah. and then we painted it. I thought it was part of the dress and everything. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just thought you, I, I, wow, <laughs> see, makeup artists, you never know what they really do. They're magical. That's true. <laughs> They're like so, I was going to ask, um, are there different categories for makeup artists? Like, you know, when you look at all those sets, like, I don't know, any movie, Wakanda, for instance, because mm-hmm. for some reason, they art and they makeup and they just really stuck out of me, so I just thought of them. But do you go to school for different kind of makeup, you know, um, set design, like set makeup or... You can. At makeup, at makeup designer, actually, you could do... Um, editorial beauty makeup and then there was also a course for special effects and i did both of them just in case and special effects actually ended up being a lot of fun and you get to be you get to kind of go outside like draw outside the lines kind of and get messy with blood and all of that so that was (laughs) the complete opposite of what i do now um but yeah you have beauty makeup you have editorial avant-garde you have special effects makeup, you have makeup that specifically for TV and film, like makeup you would do on like news anchors is completely different from makeup you would do on now, editorial why is that? set. There's, it's fascinating. How, how so? Is it because of the lighting and the set or is it? Yeah, it's usually, it's a lot to do with lighting and the look. Um, I believe a lot of news anchors get full on face of makeup. Um, so that means foundation, powder, all of that. Oh. And then you have editorial where it's very light and almost no makeup. Yeah. I thought editorial would be heavier. Though. Yeah, me too. I mean, but 
but it's probably um, like the the colors would be we'd use more color on editorial makeup if you're you know if you're lucky and um <laughs> and with full face i mean with tv and film it's sometimes a lot more makeup um and then you also have bridal which is also right. a now bridal you can make a lot of money i mean i used to do yeah. wedding invitations and that was a lot of money and then a yeah. bride record for me so i'm never doing those again <laughs> um <laughs> oh, but, but, but yeah. i mean bridal is i mean it's a huge industry huge huge, yeah, huge. um it, but let's say somebody wants to get into like let's say somebody loves makeup mm. would you recommend them going to makeup school or would you recommend somebody that loves color and loves painting go do you know what i'm saying i'm trying to like if you just love wearing makeup every day, would you say be a makeup artist? Or, would, you know, go into that if you think you want? No, I think it's very uh, you different. know, you really have to enjoy this sort of work because, okay. you know, enjoying doing makeup on yourself and on your friends in a non-restrictive environment is completely different than doing it on set when you have 15 minutes and you have people like breathing down your neck to get it done. And it, there's a lot of pressure in the industry that you don't you have no idea about when it's you're labor. not in the industry so it's you know if you love doing makeup yeah go to school and go to a good one and that gives you an idea of what it can be like on set so you have some sort of idea and then you know venture into it so, so you've done a lot how hard is it moving from let's say being in that uh school space mm -hmm. to actually getting into the industry because i can't imagine that would be easy i mean it's not easy as designers um there's so many designers that we went to school with who are still not working in the mm -hmm. design field so how would you suggest someone try like try to make a name for themselves or get out like i'm done with school i want to get into the industry how do i get in there well you sometimes the schools will have like a job board where you people are reaching out to them for newly graduated students and you can start with the little things when i first when i left school i said yes to everything that came my way also i was the oldest person in the in my class so for me i had to like i felt like i i, had, I felt pressure to get out there sooner so i was just like as soon as i got out hit the ground running said yes to everything I feel, I think my first job was like January 6th, 2016, $50 for a 12 hour day. Oh my I did it. I took it. I, and I took a lot of free jobs. I started assisting right away. Like you have to be open to that kind of start. Like you have to, with most industries, you start from the bottom. You have to work your yeah. way up. So you have to be okay with that. And, and that life is not great. Like no. people think that it's wonderful no. to be on set. Um, people think it looks glamorous. It's really not long it's, hours it's a and lot standing, of standing and around. Standing. Yeah, yeah. You don't use the bathroom for no. ever for the yeah. whole day. You sometimes don't eat. You don't drink water. Um, it could be forty know. degrees outside, and you have no heat in a warehouse, and it's cold, <laughs> and you have no coat right. or you're in the woods like we were <laughs> yes. often in so oh my god that you... was horrible when it snowed oh my god yeah, that was horrible yeah. <laughs> so you have to be aware of these things yeah. before you jump into it but there is nothing like when you work with a group of people right like when i have 
when we have like the right makeup, for example, the right models, the models that will do the stuff that you want, like, you know, like, and it's like, when you have the makeup artist that's like, hey, you know, we, we got the shot, but we want to push a little bit further, mm-hmm. want a little bit more. You need to have that makeup artist that says, yeah, I can give you something. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I always trust everybody on my team to bring their A game on that. Yeah. And yeah. you always bring your A game. I mean, I like some of the makeup, the way that you so quickly would take them from day look to night. I'm like, yeah, seriously, you can't do that. I mean, you can even go, I mean, most people would take an hour to an hour and a half to do that. Yeah, so it, you know, it's, it's a lot for people to wrap their head around, but it, it, but it can also be really something simple, like taking a day log to a night log. That you learn on set through pressure, through <laughs> um, time restraints, through and through artists that you can learn from, too. Like, you need to be around that to be able to get to the point where in five minutes, you take a full, like a basic day look to a full on glam look. Yeah. And did you have a mentor? Um, well, technically, no, but I do have worked with a lot of artists that I look up to um, right now. Before I started, you know, being an Indian woman and sometimes being the only brown woman on set, brown person on set was hard. And it got, it can get, you know, it got very, a little isolating, discouraging. And I was like, you know, am I just going to have to resign myself to this level of artistry? And am I never going to reach, you know, the top echelon of artists? And I discovered a South Asian makeup artist who does celebrity work. Her name is Karen Bhatti. And I was so excited when I saw her on Instagram. I reached out to her and everything, and I even got to assist her once, really? which was really great. Um, so I don't, you know, I do consider her someone I look up to. Okay. Because she does look, you know, she's from my cultural background and she looks mm-hmm. like me. And so it gives me hope that I can reach a certain place in my career oh, I where I didn't no think that was possible. Will. I have no doubt you will. When we get out of the pandemic. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I have do no you doubt. Have, oh. Oh, go ahead. As, do you have um, did you have a fear that people would add, would hire you only to do people of color oh, because wow. of your your race? Um, I actually I had a fear that I was never I was going to get hired at all because I was um, because of my race and ethnicity. Right. Um, because as you know my name is not that difficult to pronounce but people have had difficulty with and i do feel like maybe sometimes my resume was looked over because when they see my name they cannot put a face to it or they can't put you in a certain box and they don't understand it so they won't work with you or they won't hire you i understand Um, yeah and so if someone hired me to do makeup for someone of color i would totally jump on it so i would welcome that sort of thing i'm in love with the the very 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 dark skinned black models like the darker i mean i am in love with them especially like white makeup on them like a little splash of white on them i am in i mean that is my favorite just because of the color the richness that their skin has that I don't think white people will ever, or white people don't have, that richness, that darkness, that, and it's like velvet. And it's like when it bounces off a white background or like a sunset, 
you can't get that without that skin tone. Like, yeah, yeah. And I it's different. It. And, you know, we need to be more accepting and open of different. Yes. And when we get to that, I think we'll see more of those women with darker skin tones. Yeah. And I think wow. the next generation coming up, I mean, look oh, at yeah. the model that has, I, I don't know, I, I don't remember the skin condition that she has, but. No, um, vertigo, I think. The um, one vitiligo, with... I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you're looking at, the generation coming up, I think that they're going to be so much more accepting than the generation oh, yeah. that taught oh, us yeah, absolutely. and more than we are. And I'm so surprised by that generation. But I still think that, you know, there's so much to learn from both generations. And that's why I think it's great about our age right now yeah. is that we're kind of in that, what's that, that space where we can talk to that generation and we can still learn from that generation. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So. Did you have any pushback from men? Like, you know, on, on sets, like I remember being on sets and some of the guys that I worked with um, were doing a photo shoot. It's like, they're sitting kind of stiff, the makeup artist, and they're like, what are you putting now? What are you putting now? This is oh, yeah. What is that? Yeah. So do you have a hard time, like, letting men know, like, look, I got this. I'm not going to make you look crazy. Yeah, I I've had to have a lot of these talks. Like, I do work with men's health, and it's mostly fitness shoots, so they're, like, personal trainers. And... I had I had one model, one fitness model who was run away from me. Um, he would not allow me to touch his face, and I was like, "Listen, this is just moisturizer. I just want your skin to look fresh. I will. I promise, I'll not put makeup on you." He was like looking at everything I was putting on my hand or putting on his skin, and even when I put lip balm, they'll like shut their lips like really tightly <laughs> just like it's clear lip balm it's not putting lipstick on you or makeup or color it's just the basic stuff yeah. so yeah i've had i've had some pushback from them it can't be easy though because your face is a very personal thing it's oh, like yeah. if any part of your body i mean okay besides your private parts and stuff of course <laughs> but besides yeah. that it's like this whole area here don't touch don't come close up so it can i'm sure it can be a little challenging um getting in someone's personal space and like being up mm -hmm. on them um and that's i that's okay i mean I, I understand because i can be i can sometimes be that way too um i i like people at a certain you know space away from <laughs> me so i i come in with an understanding that you may also be that way and I, that's completely fine i, I could give you some time to get comfortable with that, I explain to them what I'm doing before I do it. And then I tell them what I'm using on their skin before I do it so that they have an understanding of what's about to happen so that they, they are not taken by surprise or anything. And well, it gives a level of comfort. Good, yeah. yeah, you brought up a yeah. good point there, Shay, because I didn't really think about it until you just said that, Shay, was yeah. uh, there's very few people that come this close or touch yeah. my face. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the last person that touched my face would I can't even my last boyfriend. So I mean, <laughs> other, yeah, I mean, that, other than that, that yeah, space. that mm -hmm. I didn't really think about it. So yeah, you have, and that's probably why I love your energy. Like when we met, DP, it was like you have. I mean, you're like the ocean. You're calming. You're not like rough seas. It's just like <laughs> you're like the Gulf Ocean. You know, just nice and easy. You know, mm -hmm. like I don't know how to explain, but yeah, you'd have to have a certain energy to because if you come in abrasive. Some yeah. people are going to be like, Chris, you can, can paint or oh, do your do art on yeah. them. So Yeah, you have to be aware of 
you know, what energy you bring in and also what the talent brings in because, and you need to be aware, constantly aware of your surroundings. You need to be aware of what mood they're in because you don't want to affect it. And if they're having a bad day, you don't want to make it worse for them. And you also want to show them that you know what you're doing and that you care about them. So as you know, right now, huge sanitizing your hands. You have to show them you're sanitizing yourself. You have to show them you are being clean and sanitary and that you are there to protect them as well as make them look really good. Where's so, up? Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask, where do you think makeup is going? Because I see it in so many different lights. There's so many different aspects of makeup, but I see a huge trend, like you were saying earlier, um, uh, DP was, you know, you have this very minimalist look, but then I also see these very, very curated eyes now where people are doing these very sculptured, like double, I would call them double eyelids. And you posted something the other day and it's like, what is a lid space? Okay, so it's when you look straight on, okay. how much you see on top of your lash line is what is how much lid space so, you have. Oh, okay. And that doesn't include like the brow bone area. It's just between the brow bone and your lash line is okay. what your lid space is. I think I have more lid space. Than you me. have an amazing amount of lid space, actually. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> that is, it's a shame you got a lot of lid space. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have, it's like a playground. Okay, that's interesting. So um, for someone who's been in the beauty space, um, seen lots of faces. It was kind of cool. It was kind of, it was okay because the people in my chair are like, just like me, who would have thought, you know, they have their insecurities, they have what they think are their flaws. And that just made them even more appealing to me. Like, I just fell in love with all these people. And I, and that's what makes everyone cool is the differences in what we look like, our asymmetry, or are the shapes of our nose and our lips and our eyes, like our imperfections is what makes us beautiful that's so well said i love that i'm wondering even with that question i'm wondering what would you tell because it just seems like history seems to repeat itself and that sounds so cliche but it's true true. i have a 14 year old now and what would you tell like say parents of teenagers or you know teenagers who are doing the same thing we all did yeah looking at these magazines trying to look like these people that it is not what it is. So it's like to your point of what beauty is, um, how did they balance this obsession to look like these Instagram people and look like these perfectly contoured and, you know, what would you say to like a 14 year old who's constantly trying to look like this image that they see all over social media? That's really, you know, that's a difficult kind of, it's, it's difficult because they're seeing these Snapchat, Instagram filters and all of these, a lot of these celebrities, and this is where I'll bring in the Kardashians. It's like they use a lot of filters and people forget what's real and what's not. So it is, it's a difficult conversation to have because a lot of times they don't believe you. They're like, no, wait, but the Kardashians look like that. 
Right. You know, if you turn social media on its head, you also see some celebrities who show what they truly look like in the morning. Yeah. And that is, can also be a positive thing to show them like, you know, and if, if you, yeah. yeah, yeah. And sometimes I, I don't know if the Kardashians ever do it, but there are celebrities out there who will put their natural skin out there. They'll put their, the issues they have. Even Kendall came out and said, she has acne and mm -hmm. this is, she struggles with it. And she's shown pictures of what the acne looks like. And right. it's really makeup and filters and Photoshop that create that perfect look. And it's just not, you know, it's not realistic yeah. to believe that that's real. And yeah. you have to like put, you have to put a time limit on how much time you spend on the internet. Cause that's true. You know, constantly swiping through filters and it can be depressing. Yeah. Yeah. If you spend too much time on it and not actual real life, you're going to mistake in the internet for reality mm -hmm. and you have to know when to stop. It's, I think Josh and I always talk about the fact that when you're in the industry, you kind of take certain knowledge for granted. Like mm -hmm. for you, you just enlightened me totally about, you know, different foundations that, you know, you can mix them up. I'm, I'm sure people, I'd like to think people in the industry know this, you can, mm -hmm. this is a thing you can do. But for me, I just thought the one foundation you buy is pretty much that, you know, that's what you use. Um, and even not having to put foundation on your whole face. Like, it's all these things that I think would be beneficial for people to hear that. Yeah. Because you're in the space, you know it. You're an expert. You've been doing this for a long time. So, but other people who have just kind of jumped the makeup bandwagon to try and figure it out, they don't know basic stuff that. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I have friends ask me to, you know, they would ask me, can you do makeup look for hooded eyelids and, mm -hmm. or just, you know, how to do a, how to do a proper contour. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, it I, I'm taking in all that feedback and yeah. I definitely want to give back and help my friends, help other people to figure it out themselves because I know how hard it can be. And I know not a lot of people have time to do these experiments to find what they like. They just, they want answers now. And I, and I want to help them out with that too. So <laughs> hopefully it's true. Well, yeah. I always loved it on set too. Like when, you know, like just when somebody would come in and model or actor or whatever, they'll sit in the chair, they'll get done by the makeup artist, then they take it all off and it's like, oh my God, why didn't you just leave that on? You looked so good <laughs> the other way. Like, like you looked so yeah. put together and then, they either walk in looking very, well, it is usually six or seven in the morning. So we all are looking good. <laughs> but you always came to yeah. set looking good. You came to you set know, it's, always With models and talent, it's really, you know, the thing about yeah. makeup and wearing makeup for a long time is taking care of your skin while using makeup. And it's about really taking it off properly. And I feel like that's probably what they're doing. They just want to get all of it off their skin so yeah. they can go home and take care of it. So that way it's prepped for the next person who's going to do their Yeah, that's makeup. true. They probably that's don't true. want to come out. But um, I th we want to thank you so much for taking the time and talking with us and shining some light on uh, the makeup go, industry. Before yes. we we have one question, Josh. We can always have one I'm asking Deepti our question. <laughs> Lastly, we would like to know what do you think, what does being a creator mean to you? I'm, you know, I'm so lucky to be able to do what I do because I get to take 
abstract ideas. I get, you know, I get words and <laughs> shape. I see, you know, I see the world in a way other people don't. I see it in shapes, forms, colors, and I get to turn all those abstract ideas and thoughts and make it a reality for someone. And I think that's a pretty phenomenal thing to be able to do. And I would not have it any other way. Beautiful. Well, thank you again. We really appreciated talking. Thank you. you for having me, guys. Oh, this was a pleasure. Thank you very much. <laughs> All, All right. right. Okay, that's it, Josh. Uh, that's it. I'm going to stop recording. Mm -hmm.